Welcome, everyone, to our edition uh, and our uh, review of the Mississippi State Bulldogs uh, falling to the Alabama Crimson Tide 24 to nothing. This is, of course, BAM's radio here on a Monday night. Uh, usually we uh, come to you on Sundays, but uh, I had to uh, be on. I was on the road to Tuscaloosa to cover some Alabama basketball uh, as uh, Kyra Lewis, the young uh, 17-year-old freshman, uh, early uh, enrollee. And what I mean by that is he enrolled in college a full year early uh, as a 17-year-old. He led the Crimson Tide with 21 points and fellow uh, Madison County native John Petty from here in Huntsville had uh, 13 points, uh, Dante Hall 12, and Herbert Jones 10 as Alabama moved to 2-0 with an 81-73 win over the Appalachian State Mountaineers. I was there covering that live last night. Uh, they will now head on to the tournament uh, in Charleston, South Carolina, which will be carried on the ESPN family of networks. They will play on Thursday afternoon at, I think, 1 o'clock Central Time against the Northeastern Huskies out of Boston. Uh, so uh, that will be the next uh, game for Alabama basketball. But was covering that yesterday, and that's why we're coming to you on this Monday night. And always, I'm joined by Thomas Watts, the wizard behind the curtain, the producer, uh, and the co-host extraordinaire of BAMS Radio, and our third amigo, an outstanding voice uh, from 1989 to 1993, a member of the Alabama Crimson Tide, and a national champion in 1992, and that is William Redfish Barger. William, uh, welcome back to the show. A 24 to nothing workmanlike uh, shutout for Alabama. I know the big topic is going to be Tua Tagovailoa, his health, and you know the loss of Deontay Brown in the offensive line. But man, it's been fun to watch this defense continue to improve and get better. Back-to-back shutouts for the Crimson Tide. Yeah, I mean, I think that's probably the you know the biggest story, Drew. Um, you know, up until you know where we're at right now through the season. I mean, go back to the month of September and, you know, especially with some of the, you know, the sisters of the poor that were able to run the football, you know, pass the football. You know, you saw a lot of Alabama fans get real concerned about, you know, whether or not Tosh LePoy was going to be able to fill the void uh, between Jeremy Pruitt or even Kirby Smart, you know, in that position and, you know, you saw a lot of doubt and, and questions being asked. And um, here we are, um, you know, in, in the middle of the month in November, and now all of a sudden with the back-to-back shutouts of Mississippi State and LSU, um, in his first year, Tosh LePoy has the uh, number one scoring defense. Um, I think after next weekend versus uh, Citadel, they'll have probably the number one sack defense. And, you know, with the implementing of Craig Kuglioski, of the defensive line coach, um, what he's been able to do with Quinnen Williams and Isaiah Bugs and Raekwon Davis, um, you know, it's been magical to watch. And I think it's, you know, it goes all the way back to 1992, um, you know, with, with Bill Oliver and Mike Dubose, where, you know, it comes into play with the front seven. Um, unbelievable. Um, you know, that, that play Saturday that you saw um, where Mississippi State chose to turn uh, a heavy-legged guy, you know, he's, he's certainly not a quick-twitch guy that, that, that factors into uh, the pass rush. But, you know, you've seen, uh, you know, Coach Cool turn Isaiah Bugs into the leading um, sack guy for Alabama. And, you know, you saw that one play early on in the first half where, 
you know, they, they chose to turn him loose and not even got, you know, get a guy to chip him at least. And he made that big tackle um, in the backfield for a loss. And, you know, I think that's where, as Alabama fans, you have to kind of really look at what's going on in front of you versus behind you. And, you know, that that's, to me, is where the, where this team is. It's, you know, people want to talk about Tua, and, and I get that. Um, you know, yeah, I mean, his knee injury is an issue. He's got now a, a, a bruised quad to go along with it. Um, does Nick Saban, you know, decide to uh, rest him Saturday? No, he's not. If he's good to go, he's going to get to play. Um, you know, Drew, I think to me it's, you know, you have to kind of balance this whole thing out and look at it and, you know, what it is, it's a true team-building process. And, you know, from – you know, September 1st, when the season started, you know, this offense was, you know, clicking all cylinders. Um, that involved, you know, Tua being 100% healthy. Um, I still maintain anybody that wants to, you know, debate or challenge me. I, I think, um, you know, Tua at, at 50% is still better than everybody else's quarterback at 100%. But, you know, I, I guess the way I digested that Mississippi State game and broke it down, you saw them come out early in the first quarter. They were clicking on all cylinders. Um, I'm not going to sit here as a former offensive lineman and bullshit y'all and say that, you know, the fact that um, Deontay Brown's, you know, turf toe flared up and he had to get removed from the starting lineup should be an excuse for, how you saw the Alabama offense digress. Um, you know, in my mind, I put that on Mike Loxley. Um, he should have done a better job of matching up with, you know, a guy named Bob Shoup, who, you know, has not really been very successful, um, at least since he's been in the SEC for the last two or three years. Um, you know, I look at it as, you know, Mike Loxley you know, got exposed Saturday, not the Alabama offense. And let's be honest, you know, the coaches' jobs are to put the players in the best positions to be successful and execute. But if they don't put them into, you know, good positions, um, then all bets are off. And I think that's where we were probably at versus Mississippi State. But, you know, Drew, at the same time, Anytime you can get a 24 to nothing victory over an interconference, interdivision um, foe like Mississippi State, you know, let's let's don't be honest. Um, they probably played us tougher last year than they did this year. So it is what it is, and you know, let's move on and see what you know the Alabama team does versus Citadel. They still got Auburn in front of them, and then you know, of course the the very important uh, matchup with Georgia um, in, in the new Georgia Dome in Atlanta in the first weekend in, in uh, December. Yeah, and I think we also yeah. got to get you right. We have to credit Mississippi State. They've got uh, Montez Sweat and Jeffrey Simmons, and everybody knows how bad Alabama wanted Jeffrey Simmons. Um, those are two guys that are probably going in the first round of the draft. Uh, certainly, I think 
Uh, Mississippi State's secondary might have been a little bit better than I thought they were. Uh, and, I, and, they, and I think they do have a good linebacker core uh, led by Errol Thompson, Leo Lewis, and those guys. And they, and they, know, and they know Alabama well. I just think, all, but also you got to credit Alabama's defense. They completely dominated and shut down Nick Fitzgerald. I mean, they held the uh, maroon and white to 169 total yards, uh, and I, I don't. And they, I, only, I think they only made like six first downs. Uh, so they really dominated, and uh, and uh, this is what what you're talking about, William, about being a complete football team. The offense got off to a good start, and you know, and and uh, and and got a 14 to nothing lead, but the defense. Uh, you know, basically continue to dominate. And even if the offense doesn't score 50 points, this is not Oklahoma, people. This is not Oklahoma, where if you don't score 45 to 50 points, you're going to have to be drinking Maylocks because you don't think your defense is going to be able to make a stop because they play in the pillow soft Big 12. This is big boy football. This is the SEC. Uh, and that's why these people that are talking about Kyler Murray and his stats, that's a joke. I mean, what did we see Kyler Murray? I know he was a young player at that time, but did Kyler Murray tear up the SEC when he was at Texas A&M? No. Would he put up these kind of numbers in the SEC that he's doing in, uh, at the Big 12? Absolutely not. Would he be a good player? Yes. But he's benefiting from Charmin-ass soft Big 12 football. It's not real football, and we saw what happened after Kirby had a half against Oklahoma last year. They completely shut Oklahoma down, and even Baker Mayfield – Goes home with no rings. So that's what I'm saying. The Big 12 is soft. They still have a chance to get a team in the playoff. Probably going to fall short due to Michigan probably taking care of business and, and Notre Dame not losing. But the Big 12 is a joke. And all these people talking about, well, give Kyler Murray the Heisman, this and that. Give me a break. I mean, he hasn't played against anybody. They nearly lost to Oklahoma State. They'll probably split with West Virginia. But I don't think that either West Virginia or Oklahoma will win both those games. So they won't be in the playoff anyway. And, again, he's putting up video game numbers, but it's in one of the you know the softest conferences, if not the softest uh, in all of college football. So I just don't – I don't, uh, you know, buy into that theory. I'm not a, I'm not a Big 12 guy, as everyone knows. Uh, but I think that – Tua, I know some people are saying he, you know, his, his Heisman standing may have been affected. I mean, he was 14 to 21, uh, you know, 164 yards. He did turn the ball over a couple of times uh, on a missed exchange and then on the interception. But again, got to credit Mississippi State. They got a really good defense. I know they've lost, you know, uh, four games now, but I think they're probably going to win out, end up eight and four uh, in a solid bowl game. And I think Alabama. Uh, their their defense and and one one aspect of the game, William, and I wanted to talk about this. It's not being talked about enough because every, there's all this angst over Tua's health and the offense. Is the the I thought the special teams under Jeff Banks took another step forward. I I don't think anyone's having to you know take a a, a shot of whiskey every time they punt now uh, with Mike Bernier. I think he's done a nice job of punting. He punt he pinned Mississippi State deep inside the one. He was very solid with his directional punting. Uh, and I think he's become, uh, you know, a, a big-time answer there. And then uh, Bulavas, I know he's had some rough moments, but making that 49-yarder I thought was big for his confidence on Saturday. No, I totally agree. And, and you know, I think, Drew, the, the key about the whole thing that you're talking about, and you, and you touched on it, is Jeff Banks. And, you know, I've got total confidence in Jeff Banks for, um, you know, not just – you know, putting putting the guys out there, you know, this year on um, what is the Alabama special teams, but also rectifying the 
issues that that make them, you know, kind of the, the weak link. And, you know, I mean, you know, you, you kind of got to break it down and look at it on a game-to-game basis. I mean, yeah, I mean, Bulibus is, you know, he's missing extra points in one game. Um, he's making a 50-yard field goal in the next. Um, you know, the, 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 the punter, I mean, I think that's a great story. Um, I agree with you, Drew, on, on what he's been able to do. Um, if you go back and look at what he's done since he's been inserted in the game, all those kicks that he did, especially versus LSU inside the 10, um, you got to give that guy a credit. Um, you know, it is what it is. I mean, you know, my whole thing is, um, I, you know, I'm sitting here, you know, looking at the whole big picture and I look at how frustrated Jalen Waddle is with not being able to return a punt. And I think that's also another mm. uh, story to, you know, delve off into. Um, but, you know, look, it is what it is. And, you know, that they were, you know, rocking and rolling in the first quarter. Um, you, you came out of that and, you know, the rest of the game is what it is. But, Anybody that thought Alabama was not going to come out flat out of that LSU game last Saturday night doesn't understand the properties of this rivalry. It is what it is. Yeah, and, it is. Yeah. You know, you know, and Drew that that they you know that they they stymied us last year. Yeah, good point. And they really should have probably won the game last year, William. And uh, that's a that's a great point. And I mean, so and it always comes at a difficult time in the schedule with Alabama because they always have to play State, who's a very physical team. Right after it's such an emotional game at a fever pitch uh, against LSU. But you got to give Nick Saban a lot of credit. Uh, he always handles it. He's now won eleven straight against the Bulldogs. And I will say this: uh, the one I, I give their defense a lot of credit. Uh, but I do think uh, uh, Mr. Dantzler, the safety, it was Bush League late in the game. He did go for two his knee. Uh, he went uh, low. You, everybody's seen the video. I mean, I was even told by uh, someone that uh, you know uh, that uh, from a, that had some sources on the sideline. He was even bragging about it. Uh, but it's you know it's part of football. And I but I enjoyed seeing Deontay Thompson and uh, one of our graduate assistants, one of Alabama's, go after the Mississippi State guys and basically tell them and send them a message: you don't need to be doing that. Uh, it's not good stuff. I mean. Uh, you, certainly, we don't mind the physicality and everything, but you know, come on, man. I mean, you, you uh, yeah. And then uh, the the annoying part is because of the inconsistent inconsistency of the SEC officials. Last year, they called Alabama for a low hit, Rashawn Evans, on a low hit on Nick Fitzgerald. This year, Tua Tagovailoa takes it, and of course, they swallow their whistles. Joe, Alabama did benefit though. Uh, there was a block in the back that really wasn't that cost Mississippi State a touchdown. So Alabama, and they did not call any penalties on Alabama. So uh, certainly the officiating, you know, wasn't a big part of it. Of course, there's uh, there's still some people complaining about what could have been a fumble from Damian Harris in the first quarter, uh, but it was very close, and Alabama benefited from that. But the better football team won, and luckily Tua Tungvaloa is going to be okay. I fully expect him to start and play about a quarter and a half, maybe five, six series against the Citadel. And get out of there. The interesting part, Williams already kind of mentioned it, is Jalen Hurts. Is he going to be ready? I have been thinking he would be ready by this time to get back into a rhythm before Auburn and Georgia. But he seems to be slow recovering. 
And William, I know you have some insight into what kind of injury that is for Jalen Hurts. Well, you know, Drew, you know, Drew, the insight that I have is is something that, you know, I, I never knew about, you know, prior right. to this injury. You know, I, I never knew that, you know, a high ankle sprain, you know, encompassed the, this whole deal that, you know, Jalen's going through. And what, what I was educated on today was, is that basically a high ankle sprain is kind of like the same thing as a shoulder separation ah. and you know you know when the so- shoulder gets separated a the ankle gets separated um you know what what they did to Jalen was they went in there and they they attached a wire and attached the two bones um back together and then of course it's a you know re- recuperating process um you know something that you and i can't control it's it's all about the whole healing process um but you know that was a new deal to me i was like well you know when i was at alabama and you know uh this is this is the breakdown i can give you um if you tore your acl um your career was probably over um (laughs) if you tore your mcl um yeah it was about a year and a half maybe an 18 you know 18 month process if if you had a high ankle sprain, um, you were probably going to be, you know, held out of the whole next season. Now, Drew, we're looking at these new um, medical practices. Um, to me, that that is one of the biggest um, stories in college football, in my opinion, that, that we've got going forward is how all of these injuries – get taken care of in a real rapid manner yeah i mean it's been alabama's uh, medical staff is amazing that's why if nick saban says that two of is okay he's not 100 percent, but he's going to be good enough to play uh there was even someone now who will probably be uh getting a phone call and be getting cursed out uh by somebody in the alabama athletic department but someone from one of those apartments that overlooks the practice field Video to a tongue of Iloa doing some footwork uh, by himself, and uh, of course was smart enough to put it on Twitter. You know these people sometimes, and so now yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, it's already on there. It's already yeah. on there, Drew. Oh yeah, it is. I saw it today. So I'm sure they're going to be getting a nice little letter or phone call from the University of Alabama. So good luck with that. I'm sure they'll have uh, somebody trace it. Uh, but again, he looked like he was moving pretty well. So there's some angst there. Uh, but and if and if Jalen Hurts cannot play, I mean, I, I predict that if he can't go against the Citadel, uh, it'll. It, it, I will be surprised if we see him against Auburn and then Georgia because he wouldn't have played since Tennessee, uh, and uh, he's you know he's going to be uh, rusty. If we saw him, it would be in a specialized role uh, for a couple of gadget plays, but we he might have to fully heal uh, by the college football playoff if Alabama can continue to take care of business. Uh, and quite uh, and and uh, and, and uh, as everyone believes, and become uh, the first and, and continue their streak. I believe it would be uh, you know four straight years, uh, excuse me, five straight because of uh, 14, 15, 16, and 17. It'd be the only team to go to five straight college football playoffs. Uh, but I do think that uh, we'll see what Alabama can do uh, if they can do that. Uh, it's going to be very interesting to see uh, if uh, going forward. Uh, if uh, they can overcome it. And then, William, I wanted to get your thoughts because you're an offensive line guy. 
you did kind of touch on cornbread Deontay Brown going out uh, after that first quarter where Alabama got off such a great start, had 150 yards, over half their offense in the first couple of drives. Uh, how big a loss was it losing cornbread? And then what in your mind, what did Alabama not do that they should have done to, to, to maybe be more productive offensively? I mean, I, I thought he was lost, Drew, certainly versus the uh, the run game. But, right. you know, at the same time, I, you know, I think that, you know, the, the rest of the whole thing has to be put on the lap of Mike Loxley. I mean, um, you know, you and I have talked about this ad nauseum, um, you know, going back to spring practice. And, you know, we've talked about the, the best five guys. Mm-hmm. And – you know, the best five guys are not, you know, from left to right, Jonah Williams, Lester Cotton, you know, Ross Pierce Baker, uh, Alex Leatherwood, um, Jedrick Wills. Um, you know, let, let's be honest about that whole thing and say that, um, you know, when, when Cornbread went out of the lineup, yeah, it did disrupt the, the run game. And it did. But at the same time, it shouldn't have disrupted what was going on in the interior of the Alabama offensive line. And, you know, whether it was Lester Cotton at left guard or Alex Leatherwood at right guard, um, this is what I would say to, you know, most Alabama fans, Um, you know, forget about, you know, uh, cornbread versus Lester Cotton, that that thing's going to take care of itself out of graduation. But there's some people out there, Drew, that think that despite his struggles at right guard this year, that Alex Leatherwood is going to slide back out to left tackle next year and win that position. If you can't grade out at a high level at right guard, there is no common denominator out there that says, from a football IQ standpoint, that says, hey, let's take this right guard guy that is grading out at a losing level, and we're going to put him at left tackle. It doesn't work like that, and it never will. Interesting thoughts from William as uh, Leatherwood has been up and down uh, at uh, at uh, right guard, uh, and and they seem to be having trouble picking up the blitz. William uh, on the right side. How did you think that Jedrick Wills played? Because uh, he's really played pretty consistently at right tackle this year. Well, you know, Drew, you know, pass pro is is a very complicated yeah. dynamic. I mean, it's it's you know the offensive line. It's the quarterback, it's the running back that's responsible for picking up that pass pro guy. Um, and, you know, you know, the number one thing that I saw during that first Alabama drive versus Mississippi State was um, Damian Harris, you know, whiffed on a, on a pass pro pickup. Right. And that's not me trying to say that Damian Harris isn't the best running back in the history of Alabama football, but he whiffed on that pass pro. And 
a lot of other people would say that, you know, it was Jonah Williams or uh, Deontay Brown's fault. That's not what I'm trying to say. What I'm trying to say is pass pro is a group effort. It's, you know, boom, boom, boom. And, and, and Drew, it happens so fast. You've got to be able to distribute that, that uh, um, problem and pick it up. Um, but, you know, I think that Alabama has, you know, the quarterback, the running backs. Um, you, you know, what, what, what I find so funny to me, Drew, is people want to say, well, how good just is this team? And what I want to say is, I'll tell you how good this team is. It's Jonah Williams, top 10 draft pick. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jedrick Wills, top 10 draft pick. Uh, Tua Tungavailoa, top 10 draft pick. Uh, Jerry Judy, number one wide receiver in college football. Uh, Irv Smith, best tight end I've seen all year in college football. Bam, bam, bam. It all goes off. It's yeah. something that we have never seen, Drew, and I'm not so sure if we'll ever see it again. Well, and you talked about it in the preseason about all the five stars on offense, and it's certainly come to fruition. Uh, uh, Jerry Judy, even though he has he hasn't even caught fifty passes yet, already at nine hundred twenty five yards receiving, uh, he's got double digit touchdowns, and he's of course not surprisingly a semifinals for the Blitnikoff Award uh, for the best wide receiver in college football, and uh, he's been tremendous all year. And people they don't need to understate this: Alabama didn't have a fully healthy Henry Ruggs against Mississippi State, or uh, you know, a fully healthy Devontae Smith. They both made some plays, but they weren't themselves. They, they should get healthier uh, and be. But uh, of course, Irv Smith was huge. He had a game high five catches, as William has said. And William, I didn't, I didn't think I'd ever say this, but I think he's a better all-around football player than O.J. Howard. He might not. He's not as fast, uh, but I really like the toughness Irv plays with and his ability to get open. I think he's a better. And I think O.J. Howard was very, very good. I'm not discounting him. But I think Irv Smith is every bit as good a prospect as O.J. Howard. You're barking up the wrong tree with me, Drew, thinking that uh, Irv Smith is not better than O.J. Howard. Yeah. Um, bingo, um, better blocker, yep. better Agreed. overall player. Yes. Uh, another guy, a little O three star. Yeah, you, you you know, because you know, Drew, you have to you know kind of play into the audience that we have here, which all you know kind of read into those uh, two, four, seven, and rivals rankings, and they don't want to sit here and admit to a failure mm-hmm. that was Irv Smith's high school ranking about what he was, and what? let me tell you what he is. Mm-hmm. Um, he's Mark Bavaro. He's uh, uh, the Gonzalez kid that came out. Tony uh, Gonzalez. Gronkowski. Mm-hmm. Yep. Gronkowski. He is the best college football player uh, tight end in the country this year, and there ain't nobody close. And I, and I wanted to also mention my guy, Josh Jacobs. I thought he had it, probably his oh, best. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he, he I'm ran. I'm sorry. I don't yeah, mean I to laugh at you, but I'm just no. sorry. No, no, no. I just, I was going to say, Nick Saban, uh, his exact quote in the, 
in our post game was he was running like a demon. And he was. I mean, he was finishing runs. He was running with a lot of physicality. He had 20 carries for 99 yards. It was the most touches he's had in a game at Alabama. Uh, I thought he was tremendous. I still think if they put him in uh, at second and goal at the four on that last drive, that Alabama sticks it in the end zone. He's a he's a better and more physical inside runner than Damian Harris, who's a really good back in his own right. But I think Josh is continuing to get better and better. I love what they've done with him in the Wildcat. William, he he just he's really becoming a a weapon. Even though people don't want to kick to him on kickoffs anymore, very rarely as a running back, uh, he's he's just really uh, running like a man possessed. And I was also surprised we saw Najee Harris. I thought we would we wouldn't see him to Auburn. He got a few carries. Uh, before he exiting and he didn't play in the second half, but still thought it was significant that he was well enough to be back out there. But uh, but the Josh Jacobs, he just continues to get better. He is by far my favorite player on this 2018 team. Yeah. Um, I would come out of retirement um, <laughs> at 47 years old to block for that guy. I mean. Drew, this guy is an animal. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, look at all the, the plays that you see on Saturday as a fan. Yeah. And, you know, that's what I do. I mean, that's how I look at it because I've got no other way of looking at it. And and how he runs over people, runs around them, uh, you know, does a jump step. And, and the, Josh Jacobs, to me, um, and, you know, nobody's paying me $11 million to make this um, evaluation on it. He is the best offensive player on this 2018 Alabama football team. I mean, the stuff that he does, Drew, is yeah. ridiculous. Ridiculous. Um, you know, kickoff returns, um, catching footballs out of the backfield and running people over. Um, Wildcat. Again, you know, if I was Nick Saban, and I'm not, nobody's paying me that money to say this. But if they were, I would say, hey, we're going Josh Jacobs in the Wildcat versus the Citadel. Hmm. I would do that. Yeah. and uh, That's how good Josh Jacobs is. Well, it's and it's funny, too. I won't name him, but there was someone in the media that asked Josh – in the media room afterwards, we, we had a chance to interview him, and he said, have you ever thrown a pass? And he's like, yeah, it's just been a while. It's been about three years. He was like, you were a quarterback? And I, he was like, yeah, I was a quarterback in high school. And I, and I told the gentleman, I said, yeah, he was a Wildcat quarterback. Oh, didn't know that. I was like, well, yeah, you know, not surprising some of these beat writers. Uh, they, didn't, they have not, not really paid attention. But Josh is a great talent. He's super physical. I remember – uh, when my good friend Kareem with the football brainiacs told me that he also started yep. in his high school coach as well, said he was a defensive end in high school, and you can see why. I mean, there, there's there's three or four cases of runs on that that Mississippi State's their their uh, guys in the secondary and their safeties are uh, they're going to want to burn the tape because they, uh, they they he definitely finished the runs against them and did a heck of a job. But I wanted to bring Thomas Watson to the conversation. Thomas, uh, I know. Uh, you were very confident in Alabama going into this game. You were a little bit worried, though, because of them being flat after LSU. But what was your overall take about what you saw? And then your thoughts on uh, Tua Tungvaluwa and and uh, you know and, and the offensive line and where we're going to go from here. William and I both strongly believe Tua will be in the lineup for a quarter and a half or so 
against the Citadel on Saturday and in morning in Brian Denny Stadium at 11 a.m. But what was your thoughts on on this uh, next step to go to 10 and 0 for Alabama? Well, let's let me throw my name in the hat, name in the ring, hat in the ring, whatever, for you with you guys on this. Tua Tagovailoa is going to play against the Citadel. It's been said by Nick Saban, and I don't really understand the fan angst about it. Like, yeah, you do kind of want to wrap him in bubble wrap, but in some cases, actually in many cases, fans need to understand what they are. And I'll mm-hmm. use myself as an example. I am extremely good with computers. I will put my computer knowledge up up to anybody's, and I will probably come out on top. Where I am not good is the in and outs, the kinesiology of the human body. Mm. So if you ask me what I think of Tua Tungavailoa playing, I'm absolutely okay with going with whatever Jeff Allen says, the trainer in Alabama. Like, let, let's be realistic here. Nick Saban runs a $100 million business, essentially. He's got the best of everything. If Jeff Allen, who has proven himself very, very good at understanding what the human body can and cannot do, if he says Tua can play, that's good enough for me. You know, I, I, I don't have the expertise. Yeah, I saw some hits, and I, I think that uh, diving at players' knees is a little bit ridiculous. And there's a reason there's the Tom Brady rule now, because that's mm-hmm. what happened to the Patriots in that first game, what, I believe in 2011. But, you know, it didn't get called. Whatever. Move on. But, yeah, if two is healthy, and if he's certified healthy by a training staff that obviously knows what they're doing— let him play. You know, what What are you going to do? You're going to kid gloves him, and then should the unthinkable happen and Tua comes out out of rhythm against the Auburn Tigers, the fans are then going to crucify Nick Saban because exactly. he kept the kid gloves on and he was rusty, and so Auburn made it a game for three and a half quarters or some other cockamamie BS that'll explode onto the Twitterverse. But talking about the game in general, I, it, it really felt like a tale of, two halves except one of the halves was a quarter drew mm-hmm. you know alabama goes down the field two quick touchdowns and you're thinking maybe the route's on then mississippi state's defense was able to get alabama into third and long and you know everybody howling that you know suddenly alabama looked mortal well this pass rush is really good they're two top 20 picks in montez sweat and jeffrey simmons that are coming at you a lot of third downs it's not real surprising that you've got to give both of those guys a lot of attention on a given play. And Bob Shoup's going to be blitzing to make sure that Tua just doesn't sit in the pocket, you know, make an omelet, cut down a <laughs> pineapple tree, grill some pineapple. Oh, and then throw a 70 yard touchdown to Jerry Judy. I mean, yeah. it played out in that sense, kind of like I expected. It was unfortunate that Alabama's offense was unable to adjust, or at least it felt like they weren't able to adjust on any kind of consistent basis. And I I absolutely buy into the narrative that this was kind of a low point for Mike Loxley in terms of, you know, flipping the switches and pulling the levers on this dominating Alabama offense. But here's the thing. All right, you had a bad game from a play-calling perspective, from an offensive adjustment perspective. I'll give you the mulligan. Alabama still won by 24 points. 
and the offense has been in completely rarefied air except for this game. Now, one final thing for you, Drew and William. Let's play the conversation forward to Auburn or the SEC championship game or ostensibly the college football playoff. Of the handful of teams that Alabama will see in terms of where Mississippi State was able to do the most damage, where they'll see similar talent, the only team that's close and you know, William and I will probably go back and forth on this should this matchup come to fruition is the Clemson Tigers. And if you've looked at what Clemson has left, they're going undefeated. If you look what Alabama has left, they're probably going undefeated, which means the only time a team can even approach being able to do what the Mississippi State Bulldogs would do against the Alabama Crimson Tide is in the national championship. And before fans jump all over me on Twitter saying, oh, the Michigan defense, the Michigan defense, the Michigan defense, a fully healthy Tua Tonga-Vailoa drops 40 on the Michigan defense and smiles and keeps coming. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm totally, uh, I don't buy into the Michigan hype. I think Shea Patterson's getting better, but I think, I still think they're, uh, you know, they're, they're good defensively, but they're not in Alabama's uh, class. I don't think they're as fast. I don't think they're as good a unit. Uh, certainly, I don't think they face the kind of offenses in the Big Ten uh, that uh, Alabama has faced this year uh, in the SEC. Certainly, uh, I know Alabama's out of conference schedule wasn't as, as difficult, but I still think Notre Dame is viciously overrated as well. I, I, even though I think Notre Dame has a, a pretty good chance of going undefeated, though they got you know a dangerous game against a ranked Syracuse team in Yankee Stadium this weekend, uh, and then they've got to go to USC. But USC right now is a dysfunctional mess. They just lost a home game to Cal Berkeley and have a true freshman quarterback. And Clay Hilton may be on the hot seat there. So not sure uh, if they can handle Notre Dame. So, uh, But I do think uh, that, uh, that Clemson would handle Notre Dame. I think that right now would probably be your, your matchup. And then Michigan would probably be that four seed. Georgia's going to have a chance to have a say in it playing Alabama. Uh, but I don't think Georgia is uh, can beat Alabama as long as they keep Tua Tungvaluwa relatively healthy. Alabama, if they stop the run, they could stop Jake Fromm. I think he's a good quarterback, not a great one. Uh, certainly, the key is Swift and Holyfield. They've got to contain those two guys. We've already talked about how I don't think Georgia's defensive front is that good. They didn't even get a sack against that Auburn offensive line that's piss poor and Swiss cheese. I mean, come on. Uh, they, uh, they, they, they were able to soundly whip them, but I, I've got to go on my mini rant here too. Uh, Kirby Freeze, I mean, smart. He, he proved once again why he's not Nick Saban when you're up 27 to 10 with three minutes to go and you pull a horse ass move faking a field goal to try to score again uh, to rub it in and and why not just run the football try to score another touchdown that way or even kick a field goal nobody's gonna have a problem with you winning 30 to 10 Uh, instead he tries to go for style points and show his ass again and act like he's smarter than everybody, and then get in the locker room and dance around like a fucktard. And so, uh, with his players, I mean, I know he's, I know he's excited, but I mean, give me a break. The guy is a clown, and uh, I'm, you know, pardon my French here, on, but uh, we are on a podcast, so I can go a little further. But just, I'm not a fan of Kirby Smart. I think he's got a good football team, not a great football team, and I still think Alabama is about 14 points better and would prove that. Uh, in their backyard again in the Mercedes-Benz Stadium. But Alabama's just got to take care of a couple more, you know, uh, challenges 
before they do take on Georgia and uh, hopefully end their college football playoff dreams. But just, yeah, not a big fan of what Kirby tried to do. And, who, and everybody knows I can't stand the Auburn Tigers. Uh, but let, let's just, but, but I just thought that was that was poor right there. They had soundly whipped Auburn, and they decide to pull some, uh, you know, BS trying to fake a field goal. And then Kirby's explanation explanation for it was typical Kirby. Uh, you know, it was a bunch of bull crap. So I just I don't I don't buy it. And uh, and 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 that karma will get Kirby. Uh, somebody it'll come back to bite him uh, down the road. But I just wanted to say that. But I I, I just think this Alabama team right now is the best in college football, and if the special teams keeps improving and the defense, this offense uh, had a small setback, but I think they're going to uh, re- respond uh, in kind and, and, and get back to rolling. And, William, I wanted to ask you something. I know we talked about Cornbread's injury, we, and we talked about it being a turf toe. I, we don't expect to see him this week. When do you think we, we, that he might re- be able to return to the lineup? I mean, I I think Drew, you know, based on what I've been told about what his, you know, true, you know, turf toe injury is, um, I, you know, to be honest, he's not going to be a hundred percent until next spring. Right. Um, that doesn't mean he's not going to be able to, you know, play at a high level versus, you know, let's just say Auburn or, or Georgia. Um, in the SEC championship game. But if you want to be totally honest with yourself about what his true injury is, that's not going to be able to be replicated until spring practice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's interesting. And, and William, uh, when the, uh, as far as uh, he, he won't be 100%, but I know you've – you you played offensive line, and of course that's tough having a foot injury. Uh, as an and it's a big part of your power and your push. Uh, is it a situation where you think uh, that they will uh, do do uh, they will let him take the week off, and that we may see him against Auburn, or could we see Lester Cotton until maybe the SEC championship game, or even maybe uh, until the until the playoff? No, I, I, Drew. I think you. I think you. Uh, you know. Met, you know bring bring the whole thing back into true you know first circle yeah you you could see uh deontay brown versus you know he's not going to play versus citadel obviously right but you know he could be available versus auburn um you know i think the the goal would be to um you know maybe see him again versus you know clemson or whatever the playoff deal is but Truth be told, if, if we're talking about honesty here with energy, um, he's not going to be full speed till next spring. Yeah, and so we'll see and uh, what, uh, what what the medical staff can do. I'm sure they'll uh, though he'll have treatment, and they may even give him a, a special cleat uh, with a, with a plate in it. I know they've done some things in the past, uh, but certainly we expect to see Deontay Brown, but it may not be until. Uh, the Iron Bowl, perhaps uh, the SEC championship game against Georgia. So Lester Cotton going to get a chance to maybe rewrite the ending for himself. Kind of struggled, I thought, uh, against Mississippi State. But again, I don't. Uh, Citadel certainly isn't Mississippi State. Auburn certainly isn't. Uh, they've already soundly uh, gotten defeated uh, by uh, the Mississippi State Bulldogs. So I think definitely Alabama can get by with Lester Cotton in those two games, and then we would see what happens. 
uh, in the SEC championship game, uh, you know, against the Georgia Bulldogs and that what would be a rematch of the national championship game. A lot of hype there uh, as uh, Alabama would be favorites over Georgia, but we would see. And I do think with Tua Tungvaluwa, uh, and I think he'll be healthier by that point. I think Alabama is going to make some adjustments. I, I, I think we may even see some max protection. I'm cer- I certainly think that the offensive coaches would like to take back some things uh, that, the, that they didn't do against Mississippi State. Uh, but, uh, you know, that, uh, but I think they'll tweak some things. Michael Oxley's taking some heat a little bit, but I think he's been very solid overall this year. And, again, coaching is about adjustments, and I think Alabama is going to adjust just like they did in 2011 when they played LSU in the rematch and then uh, dominated LSU in their backyard, New Orleans. But I wanted to bring Thomas back into the conversation. Thomas, in your mind, you, you, you told us what you saw against Mississippi State. What would you? What do you expect to see uh, adjustment-wise from this Alabama coaching staff? Well, in term, are, are we talking about what we'll see against the Citadel? Yeah. yeah. Well, okay. going forward, it'll start. They'll 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 do some. Uh, they'll they'll make some uh, adjustments against the Citadel. Of course, they're not going to show a whole lot, but I mean, yeah. down. But, but certainly, they're going to try to get their rhythm back. But what are you expecting to see going forward? Well, the thing is, you know. Talking about going forward, the next secondary that the Alabama Crimson Tide that we'll see that can stop the RPO game is the Georgia Bulldogs. And, it, you know, the real question is, where is Tyson Chan- Campbell, excuse me, Tyson Campbell in his development as a corner? And it getting splinters in his ass right now. Well, I mean, I'm just, you know, just saying. So. But in the in the next two games, you know, does Alabama just get back to the basic RPO game? You know, that's what Alabama really killed the first three quarters of their schedule doing was an RPO where either you build in well the the, the basic RPO, you look at the running back, but you're reading the middle linebacker or the wide side of the field linebacker, and if he crashes on the running back, you pull it and you pop the slant, and then you let Jerry Judy do what he's doing. I mean, it really would I would I wouldn't change very much, you know, maybe some max protect if a team that Alabama is playing starts generating serious pass rush. But, you know, you already mentioned it. The next time the Georgia Bulldogs get a sack in a game that's competitive will pretty much be the first time they are terrible, terrible at generating pressure, either organically or through the blitz. So. You know, I'm not worried about that game from that sense. Maybe the Auburn Tigers can. You have to love some of what Auburn's deploying on the defensive line. But, you know, and this is something that jumped out to me I didn't realize about the Auburn Tigers is they don't even deploy a single Rivals 250 player in their secondary, and it shows. And Greg Brown's coaching them. But, (laughs) you know, but, you know, overall... I don't think Alabama needs to reinvent the wheel. Yes, Mississippi State did some things, and should that trend continue where Alabama gets further and further behind the chains, you will have to do some more max protect stuff, assuming that actually happens where a team is able to generate pressure on a consistent basis. But, Drew, the next time that Alabama, I feel like, sees a team that's going to be able to do that will be in the college football playoff. And, you know... The SEC is a long season, and this is the downside of it. 
you know, everyone loves that UCF is undefeated and won the past 22 or 23 games that they've played in, and they deserve all kinds of credit for that. But show me one football team in the SEC, particularly the teams that have had to play the Texas A&Ms and the LSUs and the Mississippi States, you know, those physical, talented teams that even though Alabama is beating them, will extract a physical toll. Show me an SEC team that doesn't have a, lo- a laundry list of injuries. You know, that that this is, you know, this is the double-edged sword of the SEC. Yes, every week Alabama is the best team in terms of pure talent. But even Alabama, with all of that talent, will see a diminishing through the regular season just because every week you're getting a team's best shot. And yes, Alabama destroyed LSU. Yes, Alabama destroyed Mississippi State. But as I've already said, the Bulldogs are going to have at least two first-round picks on that defensive line. Grant Delpit, Greedy Williams are going to go high for LSU. You know, they're dudes out there, and that extracts a toll. So, you know, just to put a bow on this, Drew, I wouldn't change very much. I don't think it's broken. I just think it's the nature of football. Okay, and and before we go back to William. What are you expecting to see Saturday? I've already picked 56 to nothing on another radio program. I think they get another shutout. I think Tua plays a quarter and a half, maybe two quarters max, uh, and gets out of there, puts 30-plus points on the board, and then we see uh, Mac Jones and uh, to, and to wrap it up, or Jalen Hurts and Mac Jones, one of, the, uh, one of those two scenarios. What it, what, I, this is obviously going to be a win for Alabama, but what are you expecting to see Saturday? I'm going to go 52-6. Uh, wait, let, let me get my score. I'm sorry. I'm going to go 52-6, and uh, Brian Robinson has 100 yards rushing because he's going to get a lot of carries in the second half. That's very true. And, and we hope to see Ronnie Clark as well. Everybody loves yes. Ronnie, but go ahead, William. Um, I'm going to go 48-12. Uh, to 12. Um, 12, so you... you know, let's don't forget this This is the same team that uh, Nick Saban had Tosh LaPoy breaking down film on uh, back in May because basically what Georgia Southern did to them, uh, you know, two years prior, um, you know, I think it's going to be a uh, a real close game. I mean, I say that, but, you know, at the same time, I think it's going to be Alabama 48 to 14. So 48 to 14 over the Citadel. He expects them to score uh, maybe some points on the backups for Alabama because I think we expect to see a lot of young players uh, in the second half, both uh, on uh, defense as well. I think Alabama can uh, get a beat on this option. I don't think they're probably quite as good at it. They're four and five on the year. They're not. They they don't. They haven't polished it as much as that Georgia Southern team did back in 2011. And of course, that was the infamous shit through a tin horn game. Uh, where Alabama had to play the starters for uh, just about the whole game. Trent Richardson rushed for 175 yards and I think three touchdowns. Alabama won the game, I want to say, around 48-21. to 21. Uh, But uh, Georgia Southern was very effective in, con- in controlling the football, moving the football. I think they even returned a kickoff for a touchdown in that game. Uh, I was there with my family in the stands, and it was something to watch. And Alabama, they've got to be ready for the cut blocking, but I know they, they uh, understand that. Uh, as uh, you know, that this with with uh, an option team, it's a difficult preparation, but certainly it's one that Alabama can make. And then uh, to wrap things up, and uh, and do uh, and as I said, I I picked fifty six to nothing to talk a little recruiting. They finally they did have some visitors this weekend: uh, Darian Dalcourt, Shane Lee. 
uh, from St. Francis Academy, uh, Yabi Anoma's alma mater. They brought in Chris Bogle uh, from uh, you know the, the, from South Florida. He's uh, I believe he's from Eddie Jackson's old high school. Uh, he's a Jack linebacker target who I think is uh, looks very impressive off the hoof. Uh, Jordan Battle from St. Thomas Aquinas. Braylon Ingraham's teammate also made it in, and Jeffrey Carter made it in on an unofficial visit. William, uh, your thoughts on what you've you've heard uh, coming out of this weekend in recruiting? I mean, I would I would pay very close attention to the uh, Jordan Battle recruitment and yes. uh, also the uh, the Chris Bogle recruitment because I think it ties into um, you know the the Thibodeau recruitment. Um, you know, and some other things. I think, you know, we're, we're in the stage, Drew, where, um, you know, it's 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 a best of the best uh, of, of the positions. I mean, you know, do you lose a, like a guy? You know, I think you and I have both talked about this, and we we've, we've also said that, you know, this might cost a guy at Alabama, um, the, you know, their coaching position, but. You know, does a guy like Brent Key lose a player like uh, Clay Webb to Georgia or uh, Clemson? But if he can replace it with a guy like, you know, the the Boggle kid or Thibodeau, mm-hmm. big deal, no harm done. Um, you know, what it, bre- what it breaks down to me, Drew, is this. Um, I think that Alabama's in a situation where – you know, when you look at, at what's in front of them, it's, you know, the, the, they've got a chance to where, you know, maybe they have to replace their whole defensive line. Um, you know, so, you know, when you get into that situation, you have to look at, you know, the D-line guys, the, the front seven guys, the linebackers. So, you know, let, let, let's look at another guy that, you know, Drew, that I really don't give a shit about. And that's a guy like uh, Trey Dean, uh, um, or excuse me, Nicobe Dean. Um, I don't think he's the best guy on Alabama's football board. Now, this is just me talking. I'm not Nick Saban. Um, I would rather have uh, Henry Tototo over a guy like Nicobe Dean. Mm-hmm. Now, if we're sitting here, you know, two weeks from now, and Nicobe Dean goes to Georgia or somewhere else, and we're sitting there, you're not going to hear me backtrack. Because I don't care. I think that Henry Tatuto is more like uh, C.J. Mosley and and, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Kobe Dean is Sean Dion Hamilton 2.0. You're not going to hear me backtrack. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would rather see, you know, people talk about this stuff all the time. And let's let's just say that Clay Webb chooses to go to Georgia or Clemson. Um, you know, you and I have talked about this ad nauseum, Drew. Um, it's not going to be a good look. Um, Kirby Smart certainly going to use it against Alabama. Um, it, it's going to be a, uh, a negative thing versus Alabama. Maybe Brent Key gets fired. But I really don't give a shit what uh, Clay Webb does. Um, Alabama got their center last year in Amelia Ecor. Um, they've already gotten their center this year in uh, Dalcourt. Uh, Dalcourt, yeah. And uh, I would much rather see 
um, Nick Saban and the Alabama coaching staff finished this offensive line course off with Evan Neal, which, you know, there's a really good chance that that happens. Um, So let's just say that, you know, you get Evan Neal, but you miss on Clay Webb. And what my my whole thing is, um, you know, despite all the political um, things going on, Drew, um, you know, you you and I have talked about football since, you know, hell, I was, I guess, 30 years old and you were 20 years old. (laughs) But at the end of the day, um, I don't care what an interior offensive lineman does. And, and, you know, and I get what exactly what you're selling on your radio show every day about Clay Webb. I understand that. And, and I get it. I mean, it, it might cost Brent Key his job if he doesn't get Clay Webb. But at the same time, I'm looking at, you know, people need to understand that recruiting is not just a stargazer grab. Mm-hmm. A, 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 a needs position over what's over the team. And the needs that are what over that team is getting one more legit SEC offensive tackle, which is what makes an offensive go. They've already got one in Amari Kite. Mm-hmm. Um, and they want Evan Neal. Get, get one more in Evan Neal. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I get it. I mean, I get the whole damn Clay Webb infatuation but um we don't re- we don't need to rebuild the interior of alabama's offensive line with a guy like uh clay webb what we need is to continue continue down that road with the alabama the, the number one defensive line class in the country and also it, it's a it, this is what it comes down to me with Drew. it's Either or N'Kobe Dean or Henry Tatuto, or it's Boggle versus Thibodeau, um, or go back to uh, the DBs. And that's what I don't think the, the, the average Alabama fan understands. It's not what you're looking at stargazing, it's based on the needs of the team. And if you look at what Nick Saban is doing right now with this recruiting class, um, I'll tell you this right now. Um, you know, everybody wants to sit there and prop up Nicobe Dean in this recruiting class. I would take Henry Tatuto over Nicobe Dean every day and tomorrow over him. He's a four five guy. Versus Nicobe Dean being a four-seven guy, it's you know if you're looking at the class, it's Sean Dion Hamilton versus uh, C.J. Mosley. Um, go on to the defensive line. I mean, they've already got the best defensive line in the country. Um, Drew, I saw where you were on the record today, and I don't disagree with you. I thought that was a real strong statement about let's go get you know, Sasher and Ica. Yeah. But I, I would take that statement a little bit even further is, is it Sasher and 
um, Sitka or is it Softshore versus Ty Robinson? You know, yeah. I would rather have a, you know, I'd rather have that longer lean guy that, that's an edge rusher versus than having both those guys. But at the same time, if that's what I'm going to get is Softshore and Ica, I'll take them. Um, yeah. But then again, let's go back to the rest of the whole recruiting class. You know, if we were sitting here this year, um, last year, Drew, you know, we were we were sitting here thinking about, you know, do we have to get a big wide receiver for this class, which Alabama doesn't utilize a big wide receiver. Mm-hmm. I, I just think that uh, th- this is my philosophy, Drew, on recruiting. I stopped worrying about it on January the 8th, 2008, I should say, 2008. And I really don't understand why everybody else doesn't either. That little mean son of a bitch that's the head coach of Alabama football is going to get it all figured out. And I just don't worry about it. I mean, Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm going to sit here and talk to you about it and tell you what you know, I've heard, and, and, you know, it is all good and all that stuff, but is it really worth worrying about when you've got the greatest of all time guy sitting there telling you what he's going to do? And I, I think, you know, between, you know, Drew, you know, you and, and your contacts and my contacts, we all know that shit changes every Monday morning at 730. Yeah. And I can't keep up with it. Can you? No, it's like a roller coaster, and yeah, they're gonna they will finish strong. I mean, regardless, even if they miss on uh, you know a couple of these guys we've talked about, Rob William just brought up a great point about a guy like Ty Robinson. He's still coming in uh, during the Iron Bowl. Uh, we've even talked about one tonight in Chris Bogle. Uh, they will have uh, eight to nine really good players to finish out this class. And they'll do a better job of, develop, of developing them than anybody. And that's what sets Nick Saban and his coaching staff apart. But uh, that's some great stuff to end this edition of BAMS Radio. We will come to you from our usual Sunday next week as we'll talk about what should be the 11th straight win for the University of Alabama over an overmatched opponent in the Citadel. And we will preview the Iron Bowl as certainly Alabama is going to be super motivated to pay Auburn back from a year ago and stay undefeated and on a collision course uh, with Kirby Freeze, I mean smart, uh, in, the, in, the, uh, in what will be basically a, a college football playoff, an extra a game, a quarterfinal game, uh, as they will be playing in the SEC championship game in Atlanta, Georgia, and then uh, we'll, we'll continue to, to think about that matchup as well. But we thank everybody. We know our listenership continues to grow, and we certainly appreciate all the kudos and the uh, – and the in uh, the in and all the uh, uh, you know in the uh, support of Bams Radio. I want to thank Thomas Watts, the Wizard, for uh, his great uh, breakdown and knowledge, and also producing. I want to thank William Redfish Barger for taking the time to join us tonight on this Monday. I'm your host Rudy Armin. Good night, and we'll talk to you next week. Uh, roll Tide, and have a, a good rest of the week of college football in Alabama. Everybody, come out to Bryant Denny Stadium. It's an early kickoff, but certainly let's uh, continue to support this special group. Uh, and how much they continue to improve and hopefully see them move on to 11-0 and 0 and uh, be uh, talking about the Iron Bowl this time next week, previewing that as Auburn will uh, uh, come to town and before we know it to Tuscaloosa to hopefully take their ass whipping soon as well. But we will uh, sign off tonight. We, we want to thank everybody again for their support.
Good night and roll tide.